This is the Z-Code Sports Betting Podcast. Are you struggling to find success betting sports? Tired of empty promises and scams handicapping services? Wondering why Vegas sports books become richer and richer and how you can win on sports too? This podcast is what the sports investing industry truly needs. An insider look into proven successful strategies. Z-Code Podcast is your crash course in sports investing that destroys popular misconceptions and provides invaluable sports prediction analysis tools that you can download for free. We outline insider winning systems from experts that make a living through sports investing and explain how you can do it too. Armed with the best tools in the industry and a proper mindset, sustaining profits is easier than ever before. Welcome to Z-Code Podcast. Hey, Mr. Pink, and welcome back to another Z-Code Podcast. It's been a while since our last recording. How have you been? Hey, Jake. Uh, doing pretty good. Uh, as you know, I've kind of been going through a lot lately, a lot of life stuff, but happy to be here with you again. Yeah, and when we're talking about a lot, obviously you're a new dad. How is it going for you now? Are you getting enough sleep? Also, how old is the little one now? Three-month-old son now. Oh, wow. Really happy to hear that. So looks like life is panning out in the right direction for you then. Yeah, um, definitely. You know, I always wanted kids. Uh, and they say, you know, you're never really ready until it happens. And I, I can tell you firsthand that's true. You can be as ready as you think you can be. And you're still not ready for everything that comes with it. But he's awesome. Um, I mean, he, he's got he's getting personality now. And uh, he's kind of starting to try trying to communicate and just like be social and everything. So it's been a really good feeling. All credit to my wife. Uh, she had him sleeping through the night um, just from stuff that she's read online within like two months. So for a while, we've been sleeping right through the night. We actually we put him down at like 9 p.m. Eastern last night. And he had trouble waking up at 7 a.m. this morning. So he would have kept sleeping if we would have let him. <laughs> Oh wow, that's awesome! <laughs> yeah, yeah, we we got lucky in that aspect, and he's he's super chill, baby. So uh, de- definitely credit to her; she's done so much. So, Mister Pink, last time we spoke, you may have been considered as a up and coming member who was releasing bets sporadically, but your approach became more systematic over the last year. What sort of changes have you made to your systems? Um. Yeah, you know, uh, I've, I've really just been trying to refine uh, my process down a little bit uh, and like I said, to get a little more systematic. Um, really the change I've made, I, I, I started, uh, I started building the models out a little more that I'm using um, just for like the predictive data analysis and whatnot to, to try and like find an edge. Uh, so I've been adding more into that. Um, I, I started looking a little bit. I'm not a big fan of looking at like, ticket versus cash percentages and like doing all that. So I do look at that a little bit, but I, I try to not let it influence me too much. Um, I kind of got way too heavy into that for a little bit. And I was like, it really started to mess with me. Um, so mostly I've just uh, tried to expand out, use some of the different tools uh, and that like Z code gives us, and then just try to build out my models and um kind of assign different weights and values to different statistics, especially because we have so many numbers in baseball um, that I've, I've kind of started to just like mess around and tweak with those. This is like my first full season doing baseball. 
Uh, so I'm, I'm kind of trying to figure out what's important and what's not, you know? So Mr. Pink, last time we spoke, you may have been considered as a up and coming member who was releasing bets sporadically, but your approach became more systematic over the last year. What sort of changes have you made to your systems? No, I, I, I started that, uh, I'm trying to think. So I started that, I already had the spreadsheet created. Um, but I started that as soon as I like posted my first play on the wall. So that that's tracks every play I've ever put out there. Um, whether it be props, straight bets, parlays, uh, that's everything. Uh, you know, we, we preach transparency and I, I'm not, I'm not going to be the one that, that starts to, you know, try to fudge my record or anything like that. So I, I put it all out there, you know, and, and, and it's in my, in my uh, forum. So if anybody wants to go check it out, check it out. If you got any questions, let me know. It's really great that you keep a track of everything. Just gives that transparency for your system. It also helps me, um, sorry to interrupt, it also helps me just from like, I, I can narrow down by league or um, I'll put in, you know, some analytics, and like check out like metrics, like straight bets versus props or like how many parlays I do um, just to tell, you know, eventually I'm already at like 700 some odd lines. It's going to keep going and going. You know, I can't imagine someone who's been like Brennan or like Voldemort has been there for like nine years and you're going to have you know, thousands upon thousands of lines. So, you know, eventually looking at each individual bet becomes meaningless and you need to look at the overall sample size. So the spreadsheet just helps with like the metrics at that point. So I was kind of getting ahead, uh, just thinking a little bit of ahead there. You know, it's fair to say that it takes a while for your new system to hit a gold mine. You generally have to tweak a few things along the way as you learn and progress. So what sort of mistakes and issues did you have to overcome to develop your first system? Um, yeah, I, I mean, uh, I think it, it definitely, it takes a while. Uh, you know, some people I've, I've seen on the wall, like you should take two years or like back test two years or something like that. And I, I, you know, I was confident enough to say, I'm not doing that. Like there's no, there's no way I'm, it's going to be that bad that I need to do that. Um, but yeah, I, I'm kind of learning as I go through. Um, and uh, right now, like, for instance, I'm, I'm like, I'm going to start weighting a save percentage in baseball higher towards building my money lines than most others might do just because we've seen so many blown saves this year from bullpens. Um, and, you know, refining the systems are just, like I said, it's coming down to me learning. Um learning what's important and what's not as important when I'm, when I'm building my lines. And then um, I'd say a couple of mistakes I've made, uh, especially when I first started, when I first started, I, I didn't, I didn't even have like a true system. I was kind of just like looking at game by game um, and just trying to pick it apart and see what I could like make out of it. And then maybe make out of what the lines that are out there to trying to read the board a little bit. Um, I think that that was a that was a big mistake. Uh, although I, I didn't do do too terribly, um, you know. The, the I think I started during baseball last year, which is you know the abbreviated season. Um, so I still had a lot of statistics, but there was the the difference of no fans in the stands, and um, you know there was you, know, you weren't playing outside of your own like really your own coast because of COVID, so no one was really traveling like east to west too much um, and things like that. Uh, so I think you know I've, I've just I'm just learning 
more about what's important um, in each sport and what really is important when it, when you're actually building a line. Mm-hmm. You know, when making analysis for your picks, you will always have bets you feel confident about and have all the numbers behind it. But also, you will have okay bets that have a decent chance of winning. Have you gotten to this stage in your life where you eliminate half-hearted bets from your selections in order to simply reduce the amount of your bankroll that's being exposed, but also reduce the amount of bets per day? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. We, we kind of discussed that a little bit um, when we spoke back in March, and I've actually discussed it with old school on the wall a little bit. Um, you know, I have my daily card, which especially in baseball is a lot more, and I don't do progressions on the wall, but I do some of my own. Um, but yeah, I, I, I do, I do find myself having more confidence, uh, in the plays I give out all even a lot of times it's been the wrong plays. And I'm like, I'm always end up like a day early or a day late. Like I was on the, the Royals yesterday and the terrible, terrible loss they took in like the 11th inning or something like that. I know they won last night. You know, so I was like, you know, it was a day early on that. I knew I knew they were going to win. I just thought it would be, you know, the first game because New York had to travel and I like the pitching matchup and everything. Um, there's a couple things that, you know, the manager did in the game that I think kind of hurt in the long run. But, um, yeah, it's I, I get down to the point where um, I have so many plays on my own card um and then there's only certain ones that i want to put out there um and i am i am getting more confident in that i don't think i'm anywhere like as confident as some of the people we have around uh but i'll get there and i'm I'm not really i've never been like a a gloater showboater type so you're not gonna see me you know put this out there and like call anything a lock i'm just i'm gonna put it out there and say you know this this is where i find that we have a good edge and you know, this is where I'm willing to invest. <laughs> That's really good to hear. And with that, your system Fahrenheit 451 was born in January 2021. What does the title actually mean? Uh, I don't know. If, I guess you could say <laughs> that it, was, it wasn't necessarily born. Uh, I, just had, I just had to name it. And uh, uh, I, I kind of discussed it. Old school put it in there, too. It was like, Bradbury was the uh, the uh, novelist who wrote Fahrenheit 451, the temperature which books burn, with paper burns. So I thought it was a pretty clever, pretty clever title. So that was really all about it. <laughs> Burning the books, I love it. <laughs> I mean, it was, isn't that what we're here to do? So I was like, you know, what better title? So please tell us about the system. How does it work? Um, and it, it, it's really like that. That's just an all encompassing name, kind of an umbrella title. Um, it, it's different for each sport. Like you can see, I focus, I, you know, I'm focusing mostly on baseball, MLB, uh, NFL and college basketball. I think that that's where I'm going to live for the most part. Um, now that I think I'm coming up on my year anniversary too on Z code. So I think I've, I've kind of narrowed down. That's kind of be my three main sports, uh, and I might I might branch out a little bit into college football. Um, I do some tennis now and then. Um, I'm, I'm I'm trying to stay away from soccer. Like we have plenty of soccer experts out there. No need for me to try to get in. You know, put too many cooks in the kitchen. You're just going to start a fire. Um, but really, it, it just started. Um, I would say officially last fall. Uh, I started looking at. Um, I was probably toward the end of the baseball season, beginning of football, 
I just started finding different information sources and like data sources um, that I could use. And so I, I started started with mostly football testing it there. Um, and I, I started you know, hitting at a pretty good rate. So I was like, you know, maybe I can keep this going. And, and as you know, sports wore on, I had I had to find different information and different data. And so now I'm just really uh, trying to encompass it all into kind of one all-inclusive model, um, mostly breaking it out by sport. Um, and then I kind of just, I drop in mostly like CSV uh, or just like Excel spreadsheets I can copy and paste. And then all my formulas are just going to run through and, and build the line for me. And then I'll just go check out what the books are offering and type it in and see if I get an edge off of it. And that's mostly what I'm playing. It's just where I, where I calculate an edge. And as you have progressed with this system, did you increase the amount of filters or reduce the amount of them? Uh, de- depends my sport. Uh, I've I've had to decrease in baseball, and then I had to increase in college basketball toward the end of college basketball season. Um, so, it, and that's going to be that's going to be dynamic. I think that's one of the biggest things I've learned is you have to stay dynamic as soon as you get static on what you're doing then the the game itself is going to uh, lap you. And then also the books are staying more dynamic as ever. So they're going to lap you too. And, you, you know, you're going to find yourself in a rut. As you have dabbed with all these other sports, do you see yourself spending less time with baseball now than you used to? Or that hasn't changed for you? Oh no! I definitely, um, you know, it, just because it's baseball season right now, they kind of this is kind of like the doldrums of like the sports betting, uh, and a lot of guys will tell you that just because it's, it's summer and it's baseball. But I, I do love baseball. Baseball is definitely like my favorite sport. Um, but I'm still, you know, especially right now because we're we're coming up on uh, football season. I, I've started to uh, listen to you know a lot of podcasts um, just from people that I, I think are. You know, intelligent and, and have a good grasp on the teams and what they could end up doing this year. So I, I kind of just start uh, taking in like that data um, in my head to try and influence like influence my thoughts and, and building out what I'm going to do and how I'm going to approach the season. So it's kind of like an always an ongoing thing. I, I just try to take in as much information as possible. Um, and luckily I have a, a decent uh, decent recall, so I, I can keep a lot of it, you know, <laughs> handy for when I actually need it. Uh, but then there's other times where, like, I just I'll either forget it, and then we're in the information age, so we're bombarded with all this crap, twenty four seven. So I think one of the biggest things we can do right now is filter out what we don't need because we're bombarded with so much. We definitely live in an era where we have abundance of information, and this information sort of clashes with one another you're gonna have anchors on the tv telling you one thing and how amazing uh, team a is and then you're gonna go on the internet and you will see sort of the opposite side of the opinions from people we really live in an era where it's really hard to decipher what's what it's funny you mentioned that i thought about that the other day because on, on the mlb network they like everything's sponsored by DraftKings, and you know they're giving out like you know who do you think is going to have over this many bases and they're just talking about it on mlb and like you're like oh you know maybe i should go bet that that seems like a decent bet um and and 
I like as I've gotten older, I've realized like you just gonna you have to live with the FOMO. Like they're sometimes they'll hit, sometimes they'll lose. If they hit, you're upset you didn't make it. If they lose, you know you're, you're happy you didn't take it. Um, but I, for the most part, I'm like I I'm just I, I kind of do my own thing. Uh, I, I try not to get too concerned with what other people are doing, uh, and and really just try to focus on you know myself first. Uh, that's that's all I can control. If it, if it's something out of my control, I, I I try not to get too upset or too wrapped up in it. Funny you brought this up. I remember sort of following a guy who used to post articles for Bedford. I mean, obviously, they were using this as a promotional campaign for themselves. If someone is looking for a specific match, they would first go onto this article that they would find online. They were ranking obviously quite high in Google because it's bad fair and um, they're putting the money on the line to 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 get these articles on top page. But also, it's it's funny that a bookmaker would be releasing plays, and this guy he had a perhaps like fifty two percent win ratio, so it's not something really high. And you're talking about odds of like one point six. So realistically, he was losing money for people if they were following him but when it came to winning he would always brag about it on social media because he's obviously performing a service for another website where he's also making money from it from them yeah no and i, I you know i, I agree 100 and I, I follow i do follow a lot of people like that um just because you know there's some that i feel are pretty intelligent and you know i, I am weary when you know you're you're actually working for like a book or you know something like that or there's one guy i follow uh his name's dave sharpan uh he's he's actually from pennsylvania he is a veteran odds maker in vegas uh and he doesn't really he doesn't really give out bets but he interviews a lot of people from that work at books he interviews a lot of people that do handicapping and stuff like that so he's kind of uh kind of like the middleman of everything now that he, he's kind of like a veteran in the industry. But he, he mentioned the other day that the, he, he sees most of the sports books actually becoming like media companies, like, like barstool sports. Like they went into the sports book. Now they have their own sports book. So they were a media company first and then went the other way. And then FanDuel are hiring, you know, all these people to, to promote and they're like sponsored by FanDuel. I bet this on FanDuel. So you're kind of seeing that kind of take shape and he's kind of got his finger on the pulse of all that. And, you know, it's kind of funny because bookmakers seem to be doing the same thing in Europe as well. So I guess whatever is working somewhere else, you don't you basically keep the same strategy here and just roll with it. Well, I, I, I think that's so. just the, the matter of, you know, if it's working here, you know, it's going to work here. So why not just jump in and start doing it too, you know? You know, let's move on and talk about your favorite sport, which is baseball. And what a year. Honestly, there are some incredible stars coming out. And one of them is Shohei Ohtani. He's one hell of a superstar for the Angels, isn't he? Yeah, man. I mean, he's what he's doing is great for baseball. Uh, he, he, there's a couple of them. Like, and, and, you know, I, I he Shohei Ohtani came over from Japan in, I think, 2019. Um, I, I I knew about him last year. He got he I think he had Tommy John last year, so he ended up sitting out a lot of season. He did some hitting, but wasn't pitching. So this was like his first full healthy season where he's been able to do you know do go both ways. Um, 
there's there's young, exciting players like him, Fernando Tatis Jr., Vladimir Guerrero Jr., uh, Bo Bichette. Like the, these guys are going to make it exciting for for younger kids to get into baseball again. Um, and I think that that's super important. Like when I was young, it was the same thing. It was you know, Nomar Garcia Parra, Derek Jeter, Alex Rodriguez, and and that's what really kind of drew me in. Um, but yeah, what he's doing, I don't. We haven't seen it since what Babe Ruth, and we're not probably not going to see it again in our lifetimes. I'm going to sound like a complete newbie in this case, but how often is it that MLB teams will be looking for talent outside of the country? So, obviously, baseball is not popular just in the US. There's a couple of other uh, countries, like Japan, for example, where you're going to have perhaps some superstars playing there as well, and you know. It's definitely more appealing to play for MLB. Obviously, they would be moving for the money, right? No, no. But they they have recruiters everywhere. Um, most of the time, they recruit this in the South around here, uh, where I live. The, the South, because you can play baseball year round. So, so there's a lot of recruiters that are, are down in this area. Um, but yeah, I think they they always have their eye open, and if if they see you have the stuff, then then they have no problem bringing you on and putting you in their system, even if you know you're in the farm system uh, for a little while and you work your way up to the to the bigs. Um, but last year we're seeing it more now because with COVID, a ton of guys went over and played in KBO, especially because the the minor league season was canceled last year. And so we're seeing a ton of guys that went over and played in like the KBO or, or, or the NPB, and then they're coming back over and getting contracts in the MLB. Um, so th- I think it's happening more now. And I think they're going to continue to see that now that, that now that you're seeing the talent level uh, and more come out of those Asian baseball leagues. And 2021 has been absolutely crazy with the highest amount of trades in the history of MLB. As many as 158 players got traded. What are some of the biggest trades, in your opinion? Also, what are your thoughts on Schwarber? Yeah, two two weeks ago, that we were that was the trade deadline week, and I, my Twitter was just you know all the time I follow all the uh, all the notifications that are coming at me. So every two minutes, I felt like I was picking up my phone. I was like, trade, trade, trade. I was like, whoa, whoa. Um, I, I mean, the biggest trades. Uh, I mean, obviously, like the Dodgers getting the package deal with Scherzer and Turner. Uh, they were stacked to the brim anyway, and then they added two superstars that are definitely going to push them over the edge. I mean, I don't. I haven't even looked at like what they're paying in luxury tax right now, but the Dodgers payroll has got to be dumb. Um, and then I think, you know, the, the, the Yankees, I th- the Yankees made some big moves with Rizzo and Gallo. They needed some lefties, especially playing at Yankee Stadium. Um, and, and they're two, they're two really, really good hard contact hitters. Uh, I think the Rays made some good moves. Um, especially even though Nelson Cruz is 41, dude can play ball. Uh, and I don't think he's going to stop anytime soon. Um, I'm trying to think there's a, the White Sox made some moves that the White Sox picked up Kimbrel from, uh, the Cubs just across town. So that's going to really help their bullpen and not put so much pressure on Liam Hendricks down the stretch here. Um, the uh, what was the one trade? Oh, the one that really caught my eye. Um, oh, Oakland. Oakland. Oakland traded away Jesus Lazardo and someone else for Sterling Marte. And I was a big Sterling Marte fan. Uh, 
I think there's a couple guys on the Marlins who uh, who are actually pretty valuable, and he's already proven uh, since he's been at Oakland that you know he can play, and he's adding a lot to that lineup. It's even more important now that Ramon Laureano is out for the rest of the year, basically because of PEDs. Also, Dodgers just had one of the highest, most combined WAR traded for in two day mid season span. Do you think it will give them the advantage of a uh, Patriots and the Giants? Dude, I don't know, man. Um, but I, I let me. I'm gonna jump back real quick. So everybody asks every Red Sox fan right now how they think Heim Bloom did at the trade deadline. As everyone knows, I'm a diehard Red Sox fan. I'm not. I'm not upset with the trades that they made. I think that they could have done more. Um, I just don't think they wanted to spend the money. So they kind of went for like what they thought were going to be value plays. Um, and like I, I, I agree, that getting Kyle Schwarber is going to be a good bat in the lineup. They need a couple bats right now to spark things. Um, and then I, I, we'll see how Hansel Robles and Austin Davis work out in the bullpen. Obviously, they need bullpen help right now. Like, don't get me started on that after the past couple days. Um, and then jump back forward to your question uh, about the war. Um, will it give them the advantage? Yes. Did they have an advantage already? Yes. <laughs> They're struggling with injuries big time. Uh, I know Dodgers really Dodgers, like my second favorite team. They, they have so many pieces that came from Boston. Like Dave Roberts stole one of the biggest bases in, in MLB history that sparked the Red Sox to come back in the 2004 ALCS. Um, my dad's a Dodgers fan. My grandpa played minor league for the Dodgers when they were still in Brooklyn. Um, and the, yeah, I'm a big, uh, obviously Mookie Betts fan since he came from Boston. Um, I think the Padres are going to struggle with their bullpen, even though they're leading the league in like ERA, I think right now they're, they're like, they have like Clevenger who's still like trying to come back. Uh, uh, Snell's been like kind of spotty on the road, uh, so I think they're they're going to struggle with that. Melanson, I don't know how he's leading the league in saves, but if he keeps it up, then then they at least have him whenever they need him to come out there. Uh, what the Giants are doing too, the Giants are kind of disproving everything because they made a couple moves in the offseason, but no one was like, oh yeah, the Giants are going to be like really good, compete for this division. In 2020, they were supposed to be terrible. And they turned a decent season around, and then this year they they took it a whole other level. So, I actually I have a future on the Giants winning the NL, so I wouldn't be upset about. It. I got it at like plus eighteen hundred or something like that. So I'm, I'm you know I'm I'm all for it. I'm here for it. Right. I'm gonna ask you a bit more personal question now, in regards to the greatest MLB debate. From your personal experience, who's worse, pitcher who hits or hitter who pitches? Um. Let me preface this. Um, so I, I was a pitcher. I pitched all through high school and a little bit in college. Um, the worst of the two is definitely pitchers who hit. Uh, I, I I played golf, you know, collegiately, and I can hit a ball off a tee, no problem. You throw a ball at me, you know, 80 to 95 miles an hour, and I'm holding a bat, I can't hit it. I, I look like an idiot too. I'll, I'll swing out of my shoes, and and I won't even won't even come close. Um, I think we've seen some pitchers though that are able to do it. Like hell, like Degrom this year before he got hurt, he he was 
you know, he was knocking in runs. He had some RBIs going. Uh, most of the time, especially in the NL, you think that a pitcher is a free out, but some of them, you know, they're spending time in the cage when they're not in the bullpen. And uh, I've seen Julio Arias. He, he's hit. Some, he's hit. A, a, he's had a good couple of ABs. Um, I watched how Garrett Richards knocked in two RBIs at the game I was at at Atlanta back in June. Uh, when there's an American League team playing in the now park, so you you can't count them out. Um, I think they're worse, not not as a, as a put like from a standpoint of the worst for the game, but I think they're just worse because they think about it from the pitcher standpoint and they they don't think about it from a hitter standpoint. Like, am I hitting? Do I need a bump right now? Do I need to hit for contact? Do I need to have a hit and run or something like that? Whereas we've also seen like teams getting blown out. And they decided to put a, a position player in that pitcher. And it's like Brock Holt just threw like a 31 mile an hour strike last week or something like that. I saw and it's like that. the slowest strike in like StatCast history. And to, to do that is so hard. Like throwing 31 miles an hour is ridiculously hard. I couldn't do it if I tried. I was reading the article about that the other day. It's absolutely ridiculous. And, and he, has, like, he actually, like, dude, he like throws it straight up in the air. And it comes down in the strike zone. And, and, like, as a hitter, you can't even hit that. So that's kind of cool. I think that actually gives, like, a position player that can do that kind of stuff a, a bit of an advantage. And I, if you look at it, I, I was going to do this when I have some time. Um, I'm going to look at every inning that every position player has pitched this year and and figure out what, like, the ERA was on it. Because I, I've seen a lot of position players go in and, and, and do an inning and they, they go hitless and they go scoreless. And I'm like, you know, there might be something here. You have somebody that can, like, pull this off. I think the other one was uh, Brett Phillips one day. Uh, Tampa Bay hasn't gotten blown out much this year, but he, they were getting blown out this game. They brought Brett Phillips in to pitch, and he was in the bullpen, and he's, like, doing all these weird antics, and everybody thought it was just, like, for show, but he's like, no, this is what, like, I do. And he, like, sprinted out to the mound, and then he's like throwing like weird curveballs and stuff at like, you know, between like 50 and 70 miles an hour. And then all of a sudden he chucks in like a 94 mile an hour fastball and everyone's like, whoa, OK, like Brett Phillips has an arm. And that's true, too. If you look at a lot of outfielders, they all like their release. They, they can track the ball now with StatCast. The ball is coming out of their hand between 90 and like 98 miles an hour most of the time when they're going like center field to home plate. So they have arms. They just don't have the typical pitching mechanics. So I, I would say you can probably take an outfielder, teach them some mechanics, and they might be able to pitch decently. It's a very cheeky thing to do. It's kind of like the underarm serve in tennis. Some of the opponents who face that. It's a bit discriminating. Who, who does that? Nick Curios does that, right? He does. He yeah. does the under the underhand a lot. <laughs> That's what came to my mind when I when I, when I saw the news about the thirty-one mile pitch. Um, yeah, it, from a. It's yeah. There's definitely you know there, there's a lot more to these games. On that note, it was funny. Um, speaking of, there's a lot more to it. If, if anybody watched the Olympics, my wife was saying the whole time in the Olympics we should have a normal person compete as like a point of reference with the Olympians, so we can see just how good they are at what they're doing and like how bad like people like sit on their couch and like oh yeah I could do that. Like, no, you couldn't, bro. Like no, you couldn't. <laughs> Relax. Uh, <laughs> But I think uh, it's even cooler if you watch Zach Granke sometimes. And, you know, Granke's got some of the best mechanics uh, in in the bigs. He's just kind of a weird dude. And he'll randomly, 
in the middle like of an at bat. He'll just, he'll throw a fifty mile an hour like knuckleball or something, and just just to throw people off, just to throw hitters off, like mess up their timing. So he's one of the best at throwing those like weird wacky slow pitches. Right. So these wacky slow pitches aside, who do you think has a shot at winning the World Series this year? Um, obviously the Dodgers. I mean, Dodgers, Padres, Giants. One of those three coming out of the, the, the that division has a shot. Um, the White Sox. White White Sox are dangerous. Old school setup before the season. I I put a future out there. I have on the White Sox winning the AL. I, I might I might make one here at the World Series because right now, man, they, they got Eloy Jimenez back and the dude is just ripping. He had two home run, four home runs, two home, two home runs back to back in two days in each game. Um, they added they added. You know, Kim rolled to their bullpen. Bullpen that was stacked anyway. Lance Lynn, Lucas Giolito, you know, Dallas Keuchel, Dylan Cease. Uh, they're they're just they're completely stacked offensively, defensively. Tim, then they look at their offense. Like your leadoff is Tim Anderson, and if you don't get any breaks in that lineup. Like even your eight and nine hitters aren't breaks. Uh, there's there's nowhere to breathe for a pitcher in that lineup. Um, and then. Uh, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna count out Tampa Bay. I'm not gonna count out Boston, despite they've lost ten out of thirteen. You know, everyone's gonna hit valleys and peaks and slumps in a long season. I'm, I'm, you know, really hoping they're gonna break through it and figure it out. Uh, they were due for some regression, especially like following Pythagorean wise. Um, I just didn't think it would all come at once. Uh, and then I'm gonna probably throw in like Houston. They, they, they just. You know, they lost the series to the Twins, which is kind of weird because we've seen, like, a lot of teams that sold at the trade deadline all of a sudden start winning a couple games. And it's like, wait a minute, what's going on here? You guys got worse, and now you're winning. Like, But I think that's kind of an anomaly we, we experience each year. Um, I think the Brewers, the Brewers are going to surprise people. I think the Brewers are a really well-built team. Um, I think their trade for Willie Adamas was solid. They have an amazing pitching staff. Uh, so I'm not gonna not gonna count them out by any means. Um, and then uh, we'll see see what the Yankees can do. Uh, I think the NL we, last year we had like uh, what was it, the um, the the NL not the NL East. Uh, yeah, the NL East kind of like they had the Braves, which were the powerhouse, but no one's really like stepped up and like taking control of the division yet like the, the the Mets got out there and started to fall back and now the Phillies are getting out there and fall back the Braves are like playing sneaky good so I think someone coming out of there could do something but I, I don't see them really like competing high at a high level with with those like western teams it shows you how open the season is because we went from naming three teams to naming half of the league. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, for sure, for sure. Uh, and you know that, that's you saw it at the trade deadline. Those guys, the the teams who were buyers, they they made the moves. They think they have a shot. I mean, even the Yankees are like, yeah, we're we're trying to run this down. Those Blue Jays, they're they're right there. They're trying to run it down. The whole I think AL East is is the most competitive. You know, uh, maybe not the most. It's right up there with the NL West. Uh, you're going to get two teams in the playoffs from the AL East. I don't know which two it's going to be. Obviously, I hope it's the Red Sox. Honestly, right now, I don't know if it's going to be. Um, but, yeah, you're, going to, you're definitely going to get a couple teams out of that division. Um, obviously, I think the Dodgers are still built 
the best to win it if they get healthy uh and you know get their key pieces performing again um and then like i said the white Sox. i'm, I'm pretty high on the white Sox at the moment all right finally just to wrap things up are you working on anything new now well, I had mentioned before, you know, I've been doing a lot of props. Uh, so I started to do, I got, I, I expanded out, did too many props, and then I, I kind of, I wheeled it back in a little bit. Um, so I'm still working on that. Uh, I just needed more, more data, uh, more time to like actually like put it to use and, and see the best way to go about it. Um, because the prop markets have, have gotten really expansive. And you get so many different lines all over the place. Like I have one local where I get pretty good lines on props and then I go check another one. And it's like 20 cents worse. And I'm like, what is this? Um, they, they books have no idea what to do with props. So I think there's a lot of value out there. Um, so I'm going to continue working on that and, and putting some out. It, it was going to be one at a time though. I'm not going to do like the, the prop shop like I was doing towards the beginning of the year. Um, and then uh, with football, I'm looking at season win totals right now. I've, I've made a few plays on season win totals. I'm also looking at it, – it's tough because so many things can still happen leading up to week one. Um, I'm also going to look at uh, a lot of, like, first-half totals in football. Uh, I think those lines tend to be a little hazier at books than the full game totals. Um, so I'm, I'm testing a few things that, that there this year. Um, and it probably won't, I probably won't put many out until at least like a couple weeks into the season, but we'll see what happens. Thank you for listening to our Z code sports betting podcast, where insider systems, secrets, and tools are revealed to help you win on sports betting. If you have a comment or question, make sure to visit us at www.zcodesystem.com. Download our free sports prediction tools and join our VIP club to follow winning systems from people who make a living betting sports professionally. And don't forget to subscribe on iTunes. See you next time.